You're listening to WBH Radio. I'm your host, William Holly. Thank you for tuning in to episode 130. I'm going to say it every time out until we get there. Saturday, September 23, 2023, WBH Radio live and in person. Please save the date. The special guest of honor that evening is you. It is a celebration of everybody that has contributed to the show. Listeners, guests, people that have contributed uh, to me and my life away from the mic. You are a part of this show and I want you to come out and be honored because truly indeed it, it is your night and we're going to work hard to put something uh, special together for you. So please save the date. Tell your friends you're busy that night. In, in fact, invite your friends. You know, nobody should have any excuses as we get closer to the day. You know why? Because you've been saving the date since May. All right. So let's get that done, man. Put it in your phone. Put it on your work uh, calendar. Let's get it done. A few observations today. That's all I got today. Just observations, man. Because I, I don't really know anything. I just be talking. But a few observations. Of course, we're going to talk about Shannon Sharp reaching a buyout to leave Undisputed and Fox Sports 1. I want to talk about Pat McAfee, who is another content creator doing amazing things out there. He's not somebody we cover too often, but I want to talk about the great Pat McAfee today. But let's start with the NBA Finals. The series is tied up at one game apiece. The Denver Nuggets won game one. The Miami Heat would win game two, which is rather impressive to be able to bounce back, win one on the road in Denver. I saw something the other day that said the Denver Nuggets have the best home court record in all of sport. All of sport. When you compare the Nuggets home court record to everybody else, they have the best. I don't know what time frame they use, but whatever the study showed, the Nuggets had the best. And the big reason for that is the altitude. When players fly in and compete for a night or a weekend, it's hard for them to catch their breath. <laughs> All right. Have you ever been to Colorado? Let me tell you, the altitude is a real deal. You know, I, I'll give you my own experience with it. Uh, in the military, soldiers, they transfer units rather frequently. When you get to a new unit, they are to administer a physical fitness test within days to see where you are as a soldier. You know, the, the Army physical fitness test is push-ups, sit-ups, and two-mile run. And these tests are a big deal. They go in your personal file. Uh, depending on how you score, can help you get promoted or can prevent you from being promoted if you score poorly. So these are a big deal. Well... When you get transferred to Fort Carson, Colorado, where I spent the majority of my military career, the unit has to give you 30 days before they test you and put it in your file. They have to give you 30 days to get acclimated. So even Uncle Sam knows that altitude is a real deal. So salute to the Miami Heat for being able to bounce back and win one on the road in a tough place. few observations about that game. I haven't really been watching intently, I got to admit. I'll turn the game on, put it on mute, and read my book. But going into game one, Nikolai Jokic is a star center for the Denver Nuggets. He's been getting a lot of acclaim, which he deserves, very skilled player. But I thought Bam Adebayo, the center for the Heat, would be a, a tough matchup. Bam can hang with Jokic. He's athletic, he's active. I thought, cool, I know Bam doesn't have the... Standing in the league that Jokic has, but on the court, I thought it was going to be a good matchup. I forgot about Aaron Gordon, who is the power forward for the Nuggets, who lines up next to Jokic in the Nuggets front court. Who did the Heat have to guard him? At that point in game one, nobody. And you saw Aaron Gordon get off to a hot start. He scored, what, 16 that game? It's like, wow, the heat. This is what I'm thinking watching game one. Like, wow, Bam and Jokic, okay, that's a good matchup. 
But the Heat don't really have anybody to match up with the size and athleticism of Aaron Gordon. And we saw Aaron Gordon kind of get busy in that first game. Well, the Heat made an adjustment in game two. The Heat would start Kevin Love. Now, Kevin Love is an, an older guy, but he is a champion. He is someone who has always been an excellent rebounder, and not just due to his athleticism, but his technique, using his body, and he's a shooter. So he's somebody the Nuggets will have to count for on the offensive end to some degree. They can't just lag off of him, and he's a body to clog up the paint to help secure rebounds and extra possessions for the Heat. And the, the Heat started him. And peep this, Kevin Love didn't even play in game one. He went from not playing to starting. I thought this was a small-time adjustment. Not many people discussed it, but I thought it paid big dividends for the Heat. Kevin Love would go on to secure 10 rebounds in that game. So when we talk about Heat culture, that is a testament to it. First off, Kevin Love didn't even play in game one, but here he was ready to start game two. Heat culture, you talk about um, a a coaching staff, an organization that was willing to assess game one's outcome and performances and had the gumption, the fortitude to say, hey, a guy we didn't even play, we're going to start him. That's pretty phenomenal. They could have been stubborn and said, oh, we didn't start him or well, he didn't play, so we're not going to play him moving forward. Or They had the fortitude because they could have been second-guessed by the media. They didn't care about any of that. Hey, the guy didn't play. Now he's starting. Because after we assessed what took place in game one, we think this is best for the Heat. Not many organizations, not many teams can make that decision. Again, a small-time thing, but I thought it paid great dividends for the Heat. Some more observations. Nikolai Jokic, very talented brother, man. Um, I never really paid much attention to him, and I've expressed this before. The European guys just don't do it for me. Um, I'm not interested in his story. There's been question about their dedication and their competitiveness. Well, I see some fire from Jokic. You know, I was pleasantly surprised watching him during the Lakers series. I see some 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 fire from him. He's definitely skilled, gets busy, can shoot, rebound, passing. Phenomenal. And there's been many conversations about him perhaps being the best player in the world. And I don't know. But I would ask this question. Can you be the best player in the world if you cannot guard your position. If you cannot look your opponent in the eye, mano a mano, and dominate them, not only from an offensive standpoint, but defensively. I'm generally asking. I don't know. And I did a, 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 a cursory search today. Um, Michael Jordan. Well, we know he was a defensive stopper. In fact, he would win Defensive Player of the Year in the same year he was named the league's most valuable player. I think that was 1988. Kobe Bryant, we know the dedication he had to being a force on the defensive end, being named to countless all-defensive teams. The same with LeBron James. So can you be the best player in the world? Because that's what we talk about. The best player in the NBA is the best player in the world. If you cannot guard your position. I don't know. I'm asking. I've been looking in history. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, 11-time all-defensive team. Now, Magic Johnson, I don't think he ever made an all-defensive team. Was he ever the best player in the league? I don't know. Larry Bird was on all-defensive team a few times. Jokic has never been on all defensive team. And Bam and these guys are able to kind of do what they want offensively against him. So I don't know. I'm asking you, the audience. Um, you look at the championship Kawhi Leonard 
one when he was with the San Antonio Spurs. A big reason for him winning game's most valuable player, right? A big part of his contribution that series was being matched up against LeBron and giving him trouble defensively. Even when you think of Kawhi Leonard's championship in Toronto, he was a defensive force. When they played the Bucs, he would match up against Giannis. When they would play, he would match up against the opposing team's best player. So, Jokic is a great player. He was deserving of those back-to-back MVPs. He was deserving of being in a conversation this year. But can you be the best player in the league if you cannot dominate from a defensive standpoint? And I'll get my last piece on this. I like to watch the hip-hop content, you know, and, and a lot of people are lamenting the fact that this is the era of mumble rap. Like, yo, the mumble rappers are taking over. And somebody pointed out, no matter what era of rap you're talking about, the greatest rapper has always been a lyricist. You go back to Rakim. You go back to Coogee Rap. Jay-Z. Even in this era of mumble rappers, little babies, and all these other guys, who is still considered the best? It's your Drake's. It's your Kendrick's. It's your J. Cole's. Lyricism still wins out. So in a sport of basketball, if we talk about the best player, defense is still a big part of that. Can you be the best defensive player? Uh, correction. Can you be the best basketball player in the world if you don't have the ability to impact the game from a defensive standpoint? That's my question to you. My last piece on the NBA Finals. Uh, The Denver Nuggets coach Mike Malone was critical of his team's effort the other day. Saying, yo, this is the NBA Finals. We got to want it. Now, I know some of you are probably saying, yo, these guys are getting paid millions of dollars to play basketball. It's the NBA Finals. How could they not be engaged? How can a coach come out and question effort of all things? Human nature, human nature. And what I think you're seeing is the reason why many of those Denver Nugget players are who they are. The story about the Nuggets is they're a group of kind of misfits, like a starless team. Well, a lot of those guys were supposed to be A-plus players. If you remember, Jeff Green was a part of that Thunder squad with KD and Westbrook. Like, he was supposed to be a phenom. The skill is undeniable, but he never got there. Why? The mental makeup, the DNA, right? The difference between great and good is not always about skill. It's about a mentality. And many of those guys just don't have it. Michael Porter Jr. is one of the most talented players in the league. What is he, 6'7", shoot, handle, drive? Well, why isn't he an all-star? Why isn't he in the running for MVP? Because of a mentality. One of the, um, one of the uh, analysts said that he saw him miss a few shots and his shoulders slumped. The great ones don't have that luxury. They got to keep fighting through. They got to still find a way to impact the game. They can't let a few missed shots affect their ability on the other end or, or for the rest of the game. So you're seeing why there's always a conversation about talent when it comes to some of these players, but they never make that leap to stardom. If you put Anthony Davis in a gym by himself and ask him to do cone drills and and shoot from long range, he's probably going to look a little bit better than Tim Duncan. 
But we know under the whistle, when the lights are shining the brightest, who do we want? Tim Duncan. It's not a question of skill. It's makeup. It's, it's character. And I come in here and I talk about that all the time, and I think people discount it so much. Like, ah, no, 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 no. That's the difference between good and great. An approach. Right? So you got an NBA coach in the NBA finals imploring his team to play harder. That's why those guys are who they are. Ken, uh, Kentavious Pope. They've always, they, was, they was highly touted players. But they never made that leap. Why? Because their coach has to go out there and egg them on to play harder. tell you a quick story man I was playing for your college we went to play against Baruch and Baruch what's that 23rd and Lex it was their homecoming or something the place was crazy I wasn't having the best night offensively couldn't buy a basket but as the leader of that squad I couldn't sulk I couldn't say, you know, I'll pack it in tonight and try again next time. No, I have to bring that fire that is going to help my team get to victory. And late in that game, when I saw we still had a chance to win, I turned to my team with a smile. I ain't hit a basket all day, but we're going to get to the promised land. The Nuggets don't have that DNA. And now that they've lost the game at home and, and, and don't have that home court advantage, I ain't in the prediction business, but I'll do it for the sake of the podcast so I could come in here and tell you either I was right or wrong. I'm going to go with the heat. I'm going to go with the heat. Did you see something that came out recently that said uh, Pat Riley has been a part of 25%, a quarter of all NBA finals, either as a player, a coach, or executive? Pat Riley has been a part of 25% of all NBA finals. What do you make of that statistic? Luck? <laughs> Branch Rickey, the man who signed Jackie Robinson to the Dodgers, said luck is the residue of design. That man ain't lucky. He's been working towards that. And... I don't want to stay here too long because I feel like I always talk about heat culture. But I want to talk to you a little bit about what, what culture means. And when I bring up my two championships as a college athlete, when I talk about working at Brooklyn College and my head coach winning coach of the year, that one season I worked with him, I'm not bragging about my basketball skills or knowledge. I'm talking about my ability to create a culture. And I want to give you an example of this. When I was playing and when I was coaching, let's talk about when I was coaching. A player of mine might make a move he goes to the rack and he misses he might come back to the bench yo Holly man the ref blew the call yo I got fouled and I will turn to him and say no you didn't your move just wasn't the strongest that's why you missed What do you think happens after I had that conversation with that young athlete? He no longer has the excuse of blaming the ref. That part, that's not a part of the conversation anymore. So where does the conversation pivot to that athlete? getting better, getting stronger physically, uh, working to improve their offensive skills, getting tougher mentally when they go in that hole. 
right? I've removed that excuse, that outlet. So now what starts to happen? A culture of mental and physical toughness. We don't make excuses. Now, perhaps in another environment, that player will come to his coach. Yo, coach, that referee fouled me. I mean, that referee blew the call. And if the coach appeases that player, yeah, man, you should have got the whistle. Then what happens? They are susceptible to the ref blowing the call next time out. And then they sit in there complaining while the other team is victorious. Those are weak cultures. And we've seen that from from teams. So that's why culture is important. And that's why I give Pat Riley so much credit, because that is the culture that is a part of the heat. Mental and physical toughness. I already pointed out Kevin Love didn't play in game one, but game two, his number was called. He didn't say, yo, y'all didn't, he wasn't pouting, yo, y'all ain't played me game one. No, it's a culture of, yo, we got to be ready at all times. That is the impact a winning culture can have. You know, and I wanted to spend some time talking about it because I think sometimes it's just left as some mythical thing. I wanted to try to highlight exactly the impact it can have on a person and a team. Right. And why that is so important. I'll give you another example. Coaching. Um, we. We had practice one time and a player came in late. And this was this was like. Um, he had come in late a few times, not unexcused lateness, but, yo, I was with my professor well, I went to see the trainer. Yo, bro, I don't care what's happening. You need to be in this gym when your coach walks in ready to conduct practice, right? So I had talked to him a few times, but I said, you know what? I'm going to try something different. So when the player came in late, I went to his teammate. I said, yo, how you feel about your teammate coming in here late when we trying to prepare to go win a city championship? He said, yeah, coach, I don't really like that. I said, who you think should tell him, me or you? He was like, you, coach. <laughs> nah, you do it and tell me how it turns out. Now, what kind of culture am I trying to create? First off, I'm trying to make the young man I'm talking to turn him into or help mold his leadership skills. Hey, son, this is your team. If you don't like this player coming in late, you address him. Right? I'm also trying to create a culture of, yo, because as a player, I know sometimes we say F the coaches, right? What I'm saying can go one in, in one ear and out the other. But if your teammate approaches you and say, yo, bro, when practice start, I need you in here with me. I'm helping to create a culture of them being responsible to one another. Because on that court, when I'm sitting on the sideline in a suit, I'm just a spectator. They're a band of brothers in it together. So don't come to practice on time because coach is telling you to do it. Your teammates, your brothers are counting on you to get prepared to go to battle. So what is important, not for coach, but for your teammates, for you to be there. I'm making them responsible to each other. And what do you know? That team would go on to increase his win percentage by 50%, and many of those guys from that nucleus went on to win the city championship the next year. So I just want to spend a little time on how important culture is. That's why you see businesses get transformed when they have a, a new CEO. Same resources, same staff, same business, but this place is turned upside down. This place has been improved and grown exponentially because of a leader and a culture that can be created now Shannon Sharp is leaving undisputed a lot of conversations a lot of content uh, been created around uh, this news whose fault 
What was the moment Shannon decided to leave? What will he do next? Who's going to replace him on Undisputed? I want to first start by saying congratulations to both of them. Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp. You guys made history. Seven years is a long time for any partnership. And in that partnership, you gentlemen created a great show that has been enjoyed by many. So before we get into the finger point, I think it's important to to highlight that. Yo, that's seven years of greatness. Nobody knew what you guys would be when you started. Skip took a chance in bringing on the Hall of Famer. Every day, day in and day out, right? Could Shannon Sharp discuss baseball? Could he discuss basketball? These were conversations. Skip took a chance, and Shannon Sharp answered the call. He's been phenomenal. He's gotten better over the years, as you're supposed to do. So salute to those gentlemen for getting that done. They went to an entirely new network, man. Most of us didn't even know where to find Undisputed on our cable package. Or Fox Sports 1, rather. And because of what they created, other shows were able to fall in line. Right? Undisputed is the show that carries that network. So before we get into anything else, salute to those gentlemen. Now, with Shannon Sharp, Charlamagne the God said something very, uh, I thought was in, in, insightful. He said, I hope Shannon Sharp made that decision because that's what he wants to do. Right? I hope Shannon Sharp didn't have rabbit ears and people was like, yo, you gonna let Skip talk to you like that? Yo, bro, you gotta get out of there. I hope Shannon Sharp made that move because that's what he wanted to do, and he thought uh, that was the best for him, first and foremost, right? And if he feels that way, then uh, kudos to him, you know, and the best of luck to him uh, moving forward. But to me, it did look like he was succumbing to the pressures, trying to get up there and speak for the black community, Right, trying to get up there and speak for the former athlete community. And, you know, it, it just seemed like it was it just a lot for him. And he chose to get out of Dodge. Moving forward. Shannon Sharp was on CBS for a long time. He wasn't the star he is now. CBS covering football, right? Every weekend in the football season, he wasn't the star that he is now. And I bring that up to highlight that I think people are discounting the role, not just Skip Bayless, but that setting plays in Shannon Sharp's success, right? That cannot be discounted. When it comes to a camera and a microphone, I think Stephen A. Smith is the best at doing this. You put him in a room with a camera and a microphone, he's going to give you content. But I think Skip Bayless is the best executive producer in that debate space. And he said on this very show, he said, we never trick it up. We don't say, hey, you take that side of the argument and I take this side of the argument. He says, we never do that. The, the trick to making great content is having the right dance partner, which he selected in Shannon Sharp, and picking topics that he believes, hey, my partner will be strong on this topic. You know, when I do my show, I pick my guests based on the topics, right? So when I bring Fenton in here, I got a lineup like, yeah, I, I know this is going to rile him up. I don't say, yo, Fen, you pick that side and I pick that side. 
No, no, no. It is hopefully my producer talents that contributes to us having a good show. I know, I know the makeup of my friend. These are the topics that are going to get him going. So when we talk about the next step for Shannon, like you, he has become a star. And, you know, he tells these stories about his grandfather. He's very colorful. That's all great stuff. And even though Skip may be sitting over there nodding, I think you are discounting the role he plays in the stage that he's built and the platform he's, uh, he's built that has enabled Shannon to, to shine. Because, again, Shannon was on CBS, kind of uh, petered out. I'll give you another example. One of my favorite content creators, the great Joe Budden. Podcast, phenomenal. He had a show with DJ Academics that came on a, a complex YouTube channel. It's called, it was called Everyday Struggle. Man, that was the greatest show in hip-hop history, period. You had DJ Academics representing the young generation, uh, Joe Budden representing the old guard, and they would go at it every day about hip-hop topics. It was phenomenal. You know a show is, is reaching and having a cultural impact because all the rappers was getting pissed off when they were being criticized. Similar to how when First Take was, when Skip and Shannon, I mean, Skip and Stephen A was going at it. All, we all knew all the athletes was watching. They all had the rabbit ears because it was just that great a show. So Joe Budden and DJ Academics, hottest fish grease. You know, rappers start coming on the show. There was starting to be uh, sponsorship deals. Like, everybody was watching. And then, because of a contract dispute, Joe Budden left. Well, at this time, Joe Budden, again, hot as fish grease, just came off the number one show in the hip-hop space. Everybody wants a piece of him. Yo, Joe, what do you want to do next? Yo, people trying to give him money here, MTV, this one. Well, ultimately, he, he, he signed a deal with Revolt. P. Diddy and Revolt, and he put together a show, State of the Culture. It wasn't that good. <laughs> it wasn't that good. Joe Budden that just came off the hottest show. It wasn't that good. It didn't resonate. It didn't have the cultural impact that Everyday Struggle did. So I bring that up to highlight. You cannot discount the other parties the platform that plays a role in you being able to shine your brightest. Okay? So I heard Dan Lebertar say, you're like, oh, Skip needs Shannon more than Shannon needs him. We can't say that definitively. We don't know if that's going to be true. Because I seen Skip Bayless get hot twice. With Stephen A. and Shannon. Again, Shannon was on NFL on CBS. He, was, he ain't light up. It wasn't until he got next to Skip. So why do we think he's going to be able to make a seamless transition and then go take over the world without Skip and undisputed? That remains to be seen, right? Robert De Niro has many movies. The ones we know was with Scorsese. Michael Jackson and Quincy, like you cannot discount the, the other party, the work of people around you that have contributed to his um, success. And I want to ask you now, where is he going? Stephen A. talked about inviting him to first take Ladies and gentlemen, if you remember my episode with the great Andrew Marshan, who covers sports media for the New York Post, I was talking to Mr. Marshan about first take finding an everyday partner for Stephen A., right? This was after Max Kellerman had been removed. And I said to Mr. Marshan, hey, they got to find a white guy, <laughs> When you look at all the best shows, pardon interruption, undisputed. You know, you go back to the heyday of first take with Stephen A. Smith and, and uh, Skip Bayless. It is black and white. 
and Mr. Marchand discounted that. Like, oh, we just need good content. I, I, I stand on what I say. You know, it. America is a melting pot. This isn't racism. This is science. When you go in these marketing meetings, they're talking about different demographics and how we can pull this one in and the, the likes, wants, concerns of certain demographics. That's science. So when we get to these debate shows, America wants to see itself represented. Wants to see themselves and their sensibilities represented. Well, Shannon Sharp and Stephen A. don't represent America? Yeah, you know, it'd be like barbershop talk. Well, the white folks ain't coming in the barbershop. <laughs> and if they do, they want their opinion to be heard, which can be heard through people like Tony Kornheiser or Skip Bayless. I don't think two black guys will work. Stephen A's and Ryan Clark, Stephen A's and Swaggoos, those is cool. But I like the Stephen A and Skip Bayless. What's the content we've been seeing resonate recently? The Stephen A's and J.J. Reddicks. So, Uncle Shay Shay, I'm, I got my popcorn waiting. And I can't wait to see what the next move is. It's not easy out there. You know, and furthermore... Um, these platforms, Fox Sports and ESPN. I remember Dan Patrick was having a dispute with Colin Cowherd, and Dan Patrick said, Oh, you 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 tough when you got them ESPN muscles, right? You got those major network muscles. What you gonna do without that? You know, there's if you ain't on Fox Sports, now we talking ESPN. Well, there's only one debate show, and I already told you how I feel about him and Stephen A at the desk. It ain't going to resonate like they think it is. Remember, we only got one crazy uncle at the barbecue. You can't have two crazy uncles going back and forth. I don't know. I don't know. So, um, it's going to be... Very interesting. And and if I'm being honest, and I know y'all going to kill me for this, I'm like, oh, because Skip was on your show. If I had to bet on who is going to be more successful in the near future, let me take that back. If I had to bet on who is going to do a better job of pivoting from this breakup, I would have to say it would be Skip. Because Skip is staying in the format that we know works, the debate desk, right? After the Super Bowl on Sunday night, what do we want? We want the Monday morning debate desk. Skip is staying in that format. It's undisputed. It's first take. So if Shannon is turning them back on Undisputed, that only leaves first take. And I already said how I feel about that, right? So Skip is already in his format where he has been successful. Now, who are they going to get to replace Shannon? Again, I think Skip Bayless will put his executive director hat on and find, if not one person, multiple people that can help. Him and Stephen A. had a dispute recently because Stephen A. said that Skip came to him and said, yo, bro, I need you for first take, right? Going back when, uh, when, they, when uh, Stephen A. first became a, a regular contributor to first take, Stephen A. tells the story that Skip said, yo, I need you. Skip's recollection is different. Skip said, I don't need you because the show was successful already with the rotating guests. Jamel Hills, Two Live Stews, uh, Jalen Roses. But Skip said, hey, if we want to go to the next level, let's bring in Stephen A. It wasn't a matter of need. It was just a way to take the show to another level. So I think Stick, Skip can go back to that. 
because he is right. That show was successful. We watched it still. You know, that at that time, Stephen A. was coming on once a week. We watched that rotating cast of people debating Skip. Rob Parker's, Two Live Stools, Jamel Hills, Jalen Roses. We watched that. And I think um, that can be successful. You know? Um, I sent an email to my contact with Skip, and I just said, yo, salute to you, Skip. You know, and if there's any way I can help, let me know. That'll really shock America, right? If Skip pulled me on Undisputed. This guy got 70 Twitter followers. Why the hell is Skip going to get him? That'll really catch America's attention, huh? You want to shake up the game? Come get me, Skip. But um, I'm very interested to see where Shannon goes. You know, I, I'll bring up Ray Lewis. When Ray Lewis retired, oh, my God, he's such a great talker. Uh, 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 you know, he, he's going to be great on TV. No, he wasn't. He was on ESPN. He was on Fox Sports. Now we can't find him. You know, um, the, the format is important also. Shannon Sharp does have the gift of gab, but the format matters also. So look forward to seeing where he ends up. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk about Pat McAfee. If you don't know, Pat McAfee is the host of the podcast. Um, that's named after him. He is a former punter in the NFL. He played for the Colts. Um, I, I don't listen. It's not my thing, but that doesn't mean I can't sit back and admire some of the moves that he's making. Um, I think Pat McAfee has after something greater than money and fame, and that is paradise, that elusive place that not many people get to. And I want to talk about the lessons we can learn from his moves, especially what uh, black people can learn from the moves of Mr. Pat McAfee. He was an all-pro, pro bowl punter for the Colts. And I think he had two, left, two years left on his deal, and he retired. He walked away. He walked away from a few million dollars. Why did he do it? Uh, I think he had uh, endured some some surgeries, and uh, I believe he said it just wasn't worth the risk health-wise. So at 29 years old, he walked away from the money and the fame of being an NFL punter. That's lesson number one. He felt his health was most important. Forget the fame, forget the money, forget the clout that comes with being an NFLer. Nothing was more important than his health. Lesson number one. He then decided to build his podcast. You know, he was with Barstool for a little bit, but he went independent. So he can do his content his way. To me, that showcases a level of fearlessness that showcase a willingness to sacrifice and bet on oneself. Forget the security of the NFLs. Forget the security of Barstool. He went in the trenches and decided to build his own platform. That's not easy, but he took on that endeavor and he was very successful, to say the least. In fact, he is the number one sports podcast on YouTube. I remember seeing that statistic when I did the Skip Bayless po uh, interview because Undisputed is number two online, like YouTube clips and stuff. Pat McAfee is number one. Undisputed was number two. So just think about that. You know, most of us are familiar with Undisputed and the work of Shannon Sharp and his viral clips going all over. Pat McAfee was number one. He earns a deal with FanDuel, and he signed for four years, $120 million. 
So that's $30 million a year. He he built that platform, and you can say that he he got the bag. He reached the pinnacle. Uh, we're receiving this sponsorship deal from, from FanDuel. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. All that hard work, the sacrifice, the betting on himself, building with his team, right? The gamble he took stepping away from Barstool, it paid off in a FanDuel deal worth $120 million. Do you know what he did recently, ladies and gentlemen? He walked away from that deal. He walked away. And he's moving his show to ESPN, where he signed uh, a five-year deal for $85 million. A lot less money. You know, at, with the FanDuel deal, he was making uh, $30 million a year. Now he'll only be making seventeen. Million. Now, to all of us that subscribe to the bag, why would he do something like this? And Pat McAfee expressed like, yo, it's a lot of work running my own show. And him and his wife just had a baby and he wants to focus his efforts on his family. So let ESPN do the heavy lifting. I'll show up do my thing behind the mic and go home to my family. And ladies and gentlemen, I thought this was phenomenal in this era, in this age where everything is about money. Everybody's trying to get every little penny. Pat McAfee seems to understand what's important. His health, his family. It's not a dollar amount. The money is here to help us live healthy and long lives. Now, what contributes to our health, our community, our family? He's trying to get to that elusive place of paradise, ladies and gentlemen. Paradise doesn't have a dollar tag, a price tag. Paradise is about quality of life, right? Paradise is about all of your actions contributing to your survival. So he went independent and built this phenomenal business. So now when he goes to ESPN, he's not on his hands and knees begging. He's walking in as an equal, looking them dead in the eye. Right? So he worked out this deal, which alleviates some of the responsibilities he had, had he been um, under the FanDuel deal where he was responsible basically for every aspect of his show. And as somebody that's running that old show, I can tell you it is a lot. Staff, uh, marketing, social media, it is a lot. So he was willing to give up some of that money to gain the time to be with his family. Because that's important too. I got people running around here chasing money and they don't know what their kid had for lunch today. They don't know what their kid got for homework this afternoon. So I'm just truly impressed by Pat McAfee's movements. All of his moves seem to be pointing in the direction of, yo, I just want to live a healthy, full life, going all the way back to him walking away from the NFL at 29 years old. This is not something we see very often from celebrity, right? They trying to get every little penny. They want every little ounce of clout. He seems to understand what is important. What good is 120 if I can't spend the time with my family? What good is being in the NFL and making money if I won't live past 50 years old? Paradise. And that is something uh, the people I've studied talked about. Donable Elijah Muhammad, Brother Nuri Muhammad. It's not just money at all costs. It is money is a tool to get us to that place of um, health, healthy community, family, friends, a full life. And Mr. Pat McAfee seems to be after that. Uh, salute to him. Kudos to him. 
you know, betting on himself. Like, I, I don't watch the show, but I am uh, uh, watching the movements, and it's very impressive. All right. Uh, looking ahead, ladies and gentlemen. Last time Fence I was here, he asked me about some of the things that I'm consuming as far as podcasts and media. Uh, well, recently I, I just read the autobiography of Jackie Robinson. Ladies and gentlemen, that's one of the realest books I've read in a long time. You know, the Jackie Robinson they show us on, on TV. Oh, he was a pacifist. Not even close. He was a warrior. You know, this is, this is not the story Hollywood gives you. He is a warrior. He is very introspective. He talks about some of his battles with uh, Malcolm X. His, uh, not battles, but disagreements. He talks about, because uh, one of the knocks against Jackie all the time is that he supported the Republican Party. He, he supported Richard Nixon. And he talks about that. He talks about making missteps. He talks about his um, entrepreneurial endeavors where he helped to create the Freedom National Bank, which was a black bank in Harlem. Very candid, very introspective. And it is, I feel privileged to have read it. And I'm so very thankful that he took the time to put it together and was willing to put his thoughts and ideas out there for the world. I'm so thankful for that, man. So salute to the great Jackie Robinson, man. Um, the Hollywood version, not even uh, close to who he really is. Okay. And another podcast I would put on you guys' radar, <clears throat> Marcellus Wiley. Marcellus Wiley, he, he, he's a former NFL uh, defensive end. He's been in the media for the last 10, 15 years. He was on ESPN, then he went to Fox Sports. And now he's a little, uh, he's independent, doing his own podcast. And usually when we look at people that are independent, after being on the mainstreams, we feel like, oh, they fell off. Nah, not, not Marcellus. You know, he's always been an independent thinker. And a fearless brother on TV. Even in those, we know television is confined to some degree. Like, even in that setting, you could tell that he wasn't scared. And um, when he was a high school football star and he was getting recruited by all these big-time schools, he opted to go to Columbia, right here in Harlem, to an Ivy League. No top football prospects in the country are going to an Ivy League. This is just... Uh, a way to, or an example of him being somebody that was always dancing to their own beat. <clears throat> well, anyway, he has his own podcast right now, and he be giving it up. You know, there's there's nothing he is afraid to address, and uh, it's pretty cool to see. You know, and he's giving some inside information about the Skip Bayless and stuff, like just what it's like being in those buildings. And, uh, you know, I check it out every time, every chance I get. Don't have much time to consume content as I look ahead to September 23 and produce my own podcast. But when I do have time to consume uh, some content, I check out Marcellus Wally. So check him out. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that was episode 130. Uh, appreciate you, man. We out.